Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. We are now officially live. I always say, just this is just for the guests to know that it takes a, a minute or two for it to roll over to social media. But you can definitely take this opening time, this connection time I usually take with the audience to share the podcast to your personal page. It should be streaming on the Dope Muslim Woman podcast as well as the streaming on my personal page. I prefer you to share the Dope Muslim Woman podcast page. Um, uh, version. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Dope Muslim Woman podcast. For those that are joining, please come in. Please um, offer your salams. Um, it, it means a lot when we can exchange that barakah and that exchange of peace. Welcome. Wa alaikum salam. Stacey, nice to see you. Um, I want to see all your greetings. So the first thing we like to ask of everybody is to greet and to share, to greet and to share, because the more you share, the more that we're able to, um, the more people we're able to access. So Jazakallah Khairan. Welcome to the Muslim Woman Podcast, you guys. Welcome back to season three. We've been on a whirlwind and series three, Love and Restoration. Um, and I am just absolutely enthralled that we are about to um, launch and get into this episode behind her guarded walls. I was just telling one of my co-hosts that I aligned so much with this episode. So I'm super excited. This is your girl, your host, Sabrina Mills of the Dope Muslim Women Podcast. Continue to give your salams. Assalamu alaikum, everybody. Um, and I wanted to just, um, you know, welcome. Assalamu alaikum, ladies. Come on, come off mute for a second. How are you guys doing? Fine, alhamdulillah. How are you? Good. You guys look good. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu salam. And before we go ahead and get in, I introduce these ladies. I just have to, we have to real quick, we got to start it off right and say a huge, big happy birthday to Ziada Dean. It is your day. Thank you for honoring us on your special day. Happy birthday. MashaAllah. Please drop that love for Z. We're so happy that she's um, sharing her special day with us. Alhamdulillah. MashaAllah. Thank you. It's my pleasure to share my day with you all. I wouldn't want it any other way. So I truly appreciate it. Alhamdulillah. Assalamualaikum, everybody. Thank you for coming in. All right. So let's go ahead and introduce. Let's first start with our amazing co-hosts. I first am going to start with Sister Yasmin Hamid. She returned um, to host this episode. As you guys know, she is a California Bay Area native. She's a lover of all things African and God friendly. She works professionally as a business analyst. She um, she is the owner of Spirit Foods, which is a vegan food um, specialty. And she also has a podcast, Between Us and Y'all, with her son, Nafis. Thank you so much, Yasmin, for being here. Assalamu alaikum, officially. Oh, alaikum, assalamu alaikum. Excuse my voice. Everyone is listening. I have a little bit of a hoarse voice tonight. So. We hope that you get better. Thank you. And my other co-host, whom we've seen a whole lot, the birthday girl herself, Ziada Dean. She is the co-owner of Naturally Chic Hair Care, um, Natu Naturally Chic, excuse me, Salon. She is a hair care and styling expert. She's the author of Natural's Guide to More Tresses, Less Stress. She has exclusive products, which you can purchase off of her we website, hairbyziada.com. And she also does online head wrapping classes. Welcome back to the show, Ziada Dean. Thank you. Assalamualaikum. It's always an honor and a pleasure to be on the Dope Muslim on the podcast. And I'm looking forward to our dialogue tonight. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. 
And I'm super humbled, um, beyond humbled to have this, this uh, guest of honor here today. I'm going to introduce this amazing sister. First of all, I have to start off with, um, I grew up, I was much, you know, I was a little, little baby, but she um, grew up in the same community as her. She saw me as a little girl. She knew all the little, you know, awkward moments as me growing up, mashallah. I'm so happy that she's here. Um, this phenomenal sister, she's an entrepreneur, she's a political strategist, and she's a philanthropist that has committed much of her life's work to serve in marginalized communities through advancing civic engagement, voter participation, and economic opportunity in urban communities across America. She focuses on communities of color, women, and faith. This sister made history in 2017 as the first Muslim woman appointed to the Pennsylvania Commission for Women by Governor Tom Wolf. She most recently served as Deputy Pennsylvania Senior Advisor for the Biden-Harris campaign. Um, in 2020, she married her husband, um, I think it's Mahmoudou. Did I butcher it? Well, hey, Mahmoudou. <laughs> okay. Um, he's a Senegalese brother who she met during the trip to the car in 2019. Today, um, both these amazing people, they split their time living between Senegal and the U.S., both dedicated entrepreneurs doing business nationally and internationally. I would like to officially welcome Salima Sessler to the show. Assalamualaikum, sister. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. I am so honored to be with you all this evening. I, I again, of course, we grew up together, Sabria. I'm, I'm not going to um, talk about the shade. You, you're not that much younger than me, but it's okay. <laughs> Knew you all my life. You're like a big sister, though. You know. <laughs> yes, definitely like a big sister. But I'm going to be honest. I was close friends with your sister Ayana, so right. that's who I was close in age with. You were younger than me, so let me right. stop roasting you right now. Right. So honored to be here. So excited about everything that I see you doing, also, and and I'm just so happy to be on this great show. So let's start. Let's get started, y'all. All right, you guys. <laughs> Okay, so our podcast, um, this the title of this episode, as you see, is Behind Her Guarded Walls. And I wanted to just go right into it. Um, dealing with Salima, um, Salima, you know, we heard your bio, mashallah, and we know it's, it's modest in comparison to what you've done um, in the Philadelphia area. May Allah reward you for all of your work. Amen. And um, I know being a woman of influence has, it's, um, has a lot of responsibility. Um, and it, there's also challenges with it. I wanted to start just at the beginning, though. I wanted to know what has been your process and your experience with heartbreak. My process and experience with heartbreak. It's interesting. Um, when I was first married, I was married very young. I was married uh, when I was 17 years old and the summer I graduated high school and it was common in the community that I grew up in to, to, to get married young. And so for me, it wasn't really that I experienced heartbreak. I was what I came to learn, um, not ready yet for marriage. And, and I just was thrusted into becoming an adult, being married at 17, uh, uh, becoming pregnant and having my daughter at 18 and just having so many responsibilities all at once. And so my first marriage didn't last beyond 
me um, being, I think, 21. And so, so that is kind of what my story was. Uh, the, the, the heartbreak wasn't so much from the relationship. It was learning that, one, I hadn't developed as an individual um, enough to receive love in the way that I needed to in order for our marriage to be healthy. And, and so learning that there were traumas that I experienced growing up that I hadn't realized were impacting me so very profoundly um, at that point in my life. Um, and so re recognizing that I kind of had to grow as an individual and heal from some things that had nothing to do with, at all with the marriage is, is kind of uh, what, what my um, process was. Powerful. Thank you for that. And I know we share in that. I got married at 19, got married at 17, and that, you know, it was a process with that. So I totally understand. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Ziada? Over the past several years, we have watched you accomplish goal after goal and obtain remarkable success. Can you share what it takes to be a successful woman? What were the challenges you faced with trying to find a husband? And I say this also where I know as for myself, as you've heard, like owning my own business, I am a homeowner um, and been a entrepreneur for over 25 years. And sometimes I find that, you know, people can be intim intimidated by my success and what they'll say is, as um, what do you need in a man or how can I be of um, like when they approach me, what can I do to offer in your to offer more in your life? And I think sometimes that question is so layered because it's almost like as a woman, I'm not I'm not gonna wait, you know, for someone to give me the things that I feel as though that I I would like to acquire in my life or the goals that I have for myself. I'm not gonna just wait to till I have a make to say, okay. Now I need to acquire these things because some oftentimes we we acquire these goals because what else do we have at that moment? You know, like we're not you shouldn't just wait around to decide now is the time that I'm with someone to continue to reach my goals, you know, as and like growing up, my mother always told me to be independent also. And sometimes that can be a double edged sword. So what were some of the um, maybe not roadblocks, but what were some of the things that you had to work through in order to find your husband and uh, what can you share um, that it takes to be a successful woman? And if I could just segue in, Selena, I do want you to preface this question, the second part of the question, just with the challenges you face prior to finding your husband with trying to find suitable spouses. Just wanted to clarify that. Okay, I'll start with that, the challenges I faced um, be, before I found my husband. Um, and, and I first want to say I appreciate everything that you just shared, uh, sister, because I've experienced some of those same um, things. Some of the roadblocks that I, it, there were many, I can't even, that you, you it's, it's kind of hard to say um, because a, a huge roadblock was that I wasn't going to settle for anything less than what I wanted in a, in a mate which meant that I knew I was going to be alone and I was alone for a long time. Um, and, and, and I would, you know, uh, think that there were maybe situations that were, could be good for me. And when they 
when I saw a red flag, I would like completely dismiss it because I felt so guarded, you know, uh, about who, who I was and who I had become. And I had this little, little daughter, you know, who was watching me and, and who I cared a lot about um, make, making sure she was safe in the decisions that I made. So honestly, it was a long road. I, I, I had a, a few situations that I thought could maybe be good for me, but it was all the way from when I was in my 20s until I was 40 <laughs> that I found, you know, my my soulmate and, and the person that, that was there for me. And so some of the roadblocks I will just say were after, um, you know, I, I got married young and, and, but I still went to college and I still, you know, what was, was, uh, really, uh, ambitious. It, having a child young made me even more ambitious. And so what I learned was that, there would be brothers who who would be, have interest in me. They would see me speaking, or they would know, you know, find out about me, and 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 they would become very attracted to me. And um, then I, I would like learn after that that those things that they found attractive about me became the same things they resented about yes. me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Did anybody else have experienced this? Yes, okay. yes, so, yes, so, yes. Oh my God. Yes. So they, turn it, they turn it on you. You know, they use it against you like it's like, you know, they say like, okay, the, your independence that they were attracted to now becomes like almost like a threat to them in a way. It becomes a threat to them. And, and you know, so I, and I, when I, when I, that was a big problem. <laughs> like that, that, that happened oftentimes in, 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 even if it didn't start that way, it would it would quickly end up being that way, and and then other times it would just be instances where I met brothers who I thought were very pious, and then I learned they were doing things that were like blatantly haram, and I I would be shocked by those things, and because I I wanted a I've always I, my father is an imam, like I want a husband who who I can grow with spiritually, you know, um, so there were a lot of. Um, issues a lot of a, a lot of issues um and and honestly i'm going to tell you what the turning point was for me that i think i i when i was looking for a husband that didn't work well for me i i i honestly when i got blessed with my husband it was when i wasn't looking at all anymore i had just decided listen I might not even ever get married again. And, and, and that's okay, you know? Um, and uh, I made Hajj in 2018. And 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 when I was on Hajj, one of my duas was was that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed me with a husband who would uh, love me, be kind to me, and be my helpmate to Jannah, mashallah, who would bring me peace. And the next year I met my husband. And when I met him, oh. I knew that he was a Rahma from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and I knew it, it didn't have anything to do with me being cute or he didn't know me from a kid to pay. I, you know, I had to start telling him, like, you, I got to show you this stuff on Google because people know me in my country. And I don't know if you want a wife who's like this, but 
I spent uh, three weeks in, in Senegal. We, uh, at Master of Law, I developed a relationship with one of the ambassadors in Senegal. So he hosted me, him and his administration hosted me while I was there. And I, I met him through, through, through that um, trip and, and through the, the work that I was kind of doing while I was on vacation in Dakar. And mashallah, it, 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 I know that, that my husband, was sent to me by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, 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 and I also know that there were things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did to ready me to receive my husband. And, and if I had not worked through a lot of really difficult challenges in my life, I would have never, ever been prepared to receive my husband. And mashallah, I'm, I'm very grateful. Beautiful. Thank you so much for Selena for sharing your heart and, and being vulnerable with us in that in that space because it, you're right the the rahma the mercy that Allah extends on us um, when we have hope in Him right um, Subhanallah thank you so much Yasmin come on in babe Hi so before I ask my question I actually want to um, ask you a little bit about what the process was like by being courted by a man from the continent. As I know here in the States, you know, we have a whole thing that we expect from our men that there's some things we expect them to do and things that come with them that we expect to understand. Do you feel that you kind of experience the same thing with the process of um, the husband that you have now? And and if you could just repeat the question, please. You, what you are you, are you saying that how was the process? of you know holding him accountable for maybe the things that I required in the marriage. Um we're used you, to expecting you from know, in the States. Yeah. You know, in the States kinda we kinda get used to the things that we we expect them to ask us or the things that they kinda like. And I just want to know was that process different for you when you met your husband? It wasn't like that at all. We we just connected so well. We it, it, I didn't feel like that. I, I didn't experience that at all. Um, it, it, yeah, it was it, it just I experienced that. Every everything was we connected very well, and the hardest thing was figuring out what part of the world we would live in. Most of his family is uh, is here in Senegal, where I am right now, and uh, so right now again we we spend time in both places and. Uh, which is nice, but that was the hardest part is figuring out how we were going to transition our lives to 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 live together and be together when we both were so connected to our homelands and and um, had so many responsibilities. And and honestly, it took almost a year to work it, you know, work it all out. When COVID nineteen happened, it definitely didn't help. But that was the most difficult obstacle is being away from each other from extended periods of time sometimes. Um, but other than that, everything else, mashallah, just fell into place. Okay. Let's talk, let's talk specifically about vulnerability. What was the process for you like um, letting your guard down? What was that like for you? Yeah, that was hard. Um, it was hard because, you know, as women, I, if you've been through enough in life, sometimes when something good comes along, you don't trust it. You're like, yeah. with, you're looking for something to be wrong with it. Or, and I had to get over that. Um, uh, and 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 that was kind of a struggle because at times my husband had to remind me that he was nothing like 
the people who I knew before and that I shouldn't, you know, think um, that he would be anything less than 100% there for me. And I, I, I because sometimes, the, and I know that's one of the questions that are going to come up. We'll talk about more when the cultural question comes up about yeah, the, yeah. the cultural difference. Uh, but, but honestly, it, it it's it's been it's been very easy, you know. It's been very easy for us. It, it it's been easy. So I wanted to just segue in here when you say the letting the guard down was difficult. Now I want to just ask you this, Salima. Over the years, in the span of you accomplishing goal after goal, but also being single, navigating singlehood, did you have? Did you build a, a like? Did you continuously? build a wall around your heart after you've been disappointed in situations, like you said, where people are not showing up as they should or trying to silence and stifle you? Um, did you have um, a, even just a process of just building a wall around your heart and time, by the time you met your husband? I kind of did. I, 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 I just became really uninterested, honestly. I just became really uninterested in even devoting any time to a potential partnership. I, I, I became really uh, eager about my work and, and, and I, I just, I did get to a point where I, I guess that means I, I built up, you know, a wall around my heart. Um, I, I I honestly also kind of felt really discouraged in that, you know, and I don't want it to turn into a whole nother topic, but I was really discouraged in that I felt that there was such, um, there was no pool of quality. There was a limited pool of quality mates I found to be in the Muslim community and not just in one place because I, travel around the nation and, and work with, you know, Muslim communities nationwide. And I think that was a huge part of the discouragement for me, me just kind of feeling like, you know, it wasn't much hope for, you know, a woman that's 40 something or, you know, that, you know, I, 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 I don't know if, if, if that's making sense, but that's, for me, I think that that's where I felt discouraged is, is that for me, I just felt that there was a lack of quality mates that that were in my network. A lot of women sharing that sentiment. Go ahead, yes. Before I move on, with that, with that lack of quality, do you feel like it changed the qualities you were seeking in a spouse when you were actually- I'm sorry. Do you feel like the, the fact that there wasn't much quality around you, do you think it changed like what you were looking for in a spouse? or what you were, re were really willing to allow or settle for, you know, when you know you were making that dua, you know, when you were on Hajj, were you thinking that your qualities were changing, like what you were thinking? Did that change at all during that process? No, because, I mean, honestly, I don't, think, I don't think so. And I guess that's where I point back to the selection. I, I mean, I don't think that, that I was really, um, what is the word that you just used? Because you, what, what was the word that you just used uh, when you, because I, I, I hmm? Me? Yeah. 
when you were seeking a spouse and you were saying that there was lack of quality, you know, and the people that in the pool that you were seeing in the Muslim community of eligible brothers, do you feel like the what you were seeking for started to change? Like you were like, okay, there's not much out here. So maybe I shouldn't be really looking for this. Maybe I should be okay with that. Maybe I should take this off of my list because it doesn't exist. Do you, did, did you experience that? Maybe subconsciously, but honestly, not really. I, I knew what I wanted, and I didn't think what I wanted was all that much. I, I just wanted a, a Muslim man that prayed five times a day, had his teeth to pay the bills at least. You know, I mean, I want some basic things here. I don't think I wanted much out of life, and it was a, wasn't an easy thing, my sisters. <laughs> uh, listen, Salima, you ain't saying nothing but a word. This is the experience that a lot of people a lot of people have. I did want to ask Sister Rose's question really quickly. And I know, Salima, you're lagging a little bit, but I just wanted to just let you know that you're lagging a little bit, but you're okay. Um, Sister Rose did ask, how do you get to the point where you can believe that? And she asked that a little while ago, but I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, ladies, I think she was speaking about just when you were actually believing in your husband. Oh, when, when you said that you had your guard up and your husband had to really let you know, like, I'm not like the mother jokers, right? So yeah. how did you, how did you get to when we, you believe it? Because they could say it all day. That doesn't mean we take, we believe it. Yeah. You know what? I, I had to, um, it's so easy to, to, to tell the difference between, um, who my husband is and, and, and some of the people that I have experienced, but also, I, I just, I just had to, you know what? Even before trusting my husband, I trust the law subhanahu wa ta'ala, honestly. And, and, and I just have to um, always be considerate and, 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 and of that. And, and I'm very protective of what I feel is a blessing from the law subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, which I have in, in my marriage. And so... It, 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 and, it, and, and that wasn't a thing that was so present, but, but I know in the very beginning it, it happened. Um, and um, it, it didn't take much to, to, for him to reassure me and, and for me to also kind of check myself. So, um, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. I want to also just ask Sister Hodger's question really quickly. What, does, what do you mean by quality? When you said there wasn't a pool of quality men, what are the qualities being sought, sought for compatibility? I guess this is a two-part question. But what do you mean when you say quality? For me, mm -hmm. um, well, well, I kind of just said some of those things, but I'll say them again. For me, what I was looking for in a mate was someone who would honestly compliment me and 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 build me up and not take away from from me and and who I was. I wanted someone who would be a protector. Um someone who could maintain maintain and and you know uh that not a person who would expect me to pay for everything and and there are a lot of men who feel like oh well you know she doesn't want any right you know she doesn't want her rights so i think it is important for men to be able to provide i think that it is important for men for me it is important for a man to be uh have some level of piety and spirituality because i truly think that um 
if I can trust that my husband fears a loss of Allah, then then I think that will cause him to be a good husband to me, you know. And and if I see that that isn't there, then I don't think that I could expect that brother to respect me. And so some of those things for that's what I think that quality of what a quality mate is can only be defined by an individual who is who is seeking a mate. But those were the things that I was looking for. And also men who could uh, respect and handle the fact that I had a public, you know, career and that I do the work that I do and, and that wouldn't be intimidated by that. There were very specific things um, that I found to be um, quality for, for, yeah. for a mate for me. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. Um, Ziad, I'm going to segue to you, but I wanted to ask um, you guys a question before I segue to you, Ziada. I also wanted to ask you, I know you've also experienced a lot of loss and heartbreak yourself. Um, when you decided, when did you decide that it was time to let your guard down? Or are you still walking around guarded, Ziada? I don't even know. Let me know. Well, I think with the point that she made also, like, I, I think when she said that, um, you know, when she looked at the qualities of um, what she wanted in a mate and thinking of, um, I think, I think often when men in particular, I know when, when I've been approached before, when she spoke about the financial aspect, because a woman who is deemed successful financially, sometimes people feel as though we don't need you know, financial assistance, right? Absolutely. And I, I think that, yes, I don't, I, it, it is empowering to a certain extent that when I now choose someone, it's not that I, so I need you because I want a mate, but financially I'm okay. But that doesn't mean that I don't want someone to say I'm there for you, you know, and I have I have your back, that I am your partner, because sometimes super independence for us is trauma induced. And I know that my super independence deals comes from trauma because I have a son that I have to raise and financially. I like you spoke, Salima, you wanted to make sure that your daughter was comfortable financially, emotionally. And so with that, as a single mother, there's a certain drive that just becomes innate in you that you know that you have to make sure that everything is OK financially for you and your child. And so some of that independence that I have is definitely trauma induced. I will definitely say that. And a part of how I've been able to work through that where I've gone through therapy and, um, you know, I definitely have spoken to my therapist about some of the things that I've experienced. And some of that also came from just disappointment, being in marriage and not working out and just like, okay, I don't want to be here again, you know, financially dependent upon someone and then having to fully rebuild my life and emotionally pick myself back up. But, you know, I've, I learned that it's okay to trust that process again, because what I've learned that self-love truly is when you really truly believe the things that you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are worthy of what you ask for. And if you ask for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you really want someone who is loving and that you're loving and that you're kind and compassionate, why would we as women not 
deserve that just because we go and accomplish our goals because what I see in front of me, I have a son and I want him to see that women can go after their goals to him to respect a Muslim woman and know that he should honor her and support her despite the fact that she is accomplished, that you know, you you should be comfortable in your own manhood and as a human being that you support her. So how it, it was, uh, has manifested in my life, you know, I have someone who is very special in my life now and I am letting, like like she said, like um, um, she spoke about how her husband had to tell her, like, I am not like them. And sometimes I catch myself and I'll tell him, it's not you. It really is yeah. is me. I, it's me that it, that, that, that my insecurities or just my fear of it not working because no one wants to continue to go through a divorce or things like that. You want the person to stay. Any woman who is successful or anything, what we really also want is a mate who doesn't leave us, you know? And so, and that's been my biggest thing. I really want to know that you will be here, that you're not going to go. We still are vulnerable despite the fact that we make all these moves every day, but it's exhausting also. You want to just be able to take a cape off and be like, listen, I'm human. So I'm slowly really letting go of my guard. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And if it's okay, Yasmin, if you could quickly just um, share really quickly of how you've navigated that process. So I'm still navigating the process. Um, and the thing I'd say is trying to be very careful about not creating narratives based on past you know, disappointments. Because oftentimes, because you've experienced something, you think that, okay, I've been through that, so I know what it looks like, but then you start looking for it unconsciously. You know what I mean? And then you, you start creating the situation in your mind and then the experience that you have. So I've been trying to be very careful about not doing that, not creating narratives that don't exist, allowing people to be who they are and um, not expecting disappointment just because I've experienced disappointment. Mm, beautiful. And Salima, I wanted to just go back to you because you talked about, we know all the work that you do and you talked about this and it just hit home. Oh my God, so heavy with me. But you talked about just that sort of pedestal admiration that comes when they see you on the stage speaking and they like, this woman is so dope as you are. But then you're trying to navigate a relationship other things start pouring out, right? Or is that for you, when you experienced that, was that just like a deal breaker? Absolutely not, you're not dimming your light or did you try to somewhat dim your light at times? And I'm just, I'm curious about that a little bit. I never tried to dim, well, yeah, I, I tried to dim my light, but in ways, uh, that maybe didn't manifest, like I, I wouldn't subconsciously, like I wouldn't do it uh, purposefully, but I, I, I think that I have, uh, probably many of us have, have done it, you know, a little bit. Um, but also I, 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 I found that through the years that that is just not a thing with Muslim men because I have non-Muslim uh, friends also who that I think that that is kind of just a misogyny type thing when when women aren't um, valued and supported uh, as uh, professionals or entrepreneurs, leaders or and and bosses that they are. So it does spill into relationships um, at times. 
Beautiful. I'm going to bring in a couple, if that's okay, ladies, a couple other audience participation. I'm going to go back to you guys. Kalita asks, um, after you had a certain amount of breakups, people believe you should just stop. But what if you don't want to? And I'm not sure if this is more of a rhetorical question, but, um, you know, people, you know, there is an assumption, especially for us as Muslim women, that we should just sit and go knit or something like that. And because we've been married, divorced a couple of times, don't be hopping in and out of relationships. But what if you do want to keep trying? I mean, Salima, do you, do you feel like, like you said, you didn't give up hope. You made that dua at Hajj, right? I made that dua at Hajj, yes. And um, and I met my husband, you know, the next year. But but I will say that's a really good point um, that the sister said, because when sisters do get kind of labeled if they're in and out of marriages, um, and then it's a, it, it becomes really uh, difficult for 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 us to get married but which i just absolutely don't think is fair um i i i i don't i can't remember what the specific question is anymore but but i definitely find it to be problematic um when sisters are not um respected enough by by the brothers uh when when they have careers or they have public profiles um as well Okay. I have one more question and any of you ladies can just chime in as well. Can I ask what did the timeline look for you ladies, especially those with kids? I've been single for three years and I honestly can't see me even, I can't imagine marriage for another six to seven years. People look at me crazy when I say that. Anybody want to? Wait, repeat the last part. You said you can't imagine a, a marriage for another six to seven years. She's been single for three years but she can't mm. see herself um, in a marriage for another six to seven years. But primarily it sounds like because she has kids. I think you have to focus on what the barriers are for yourself, you know, first, and understand what those are and work through them before you bring someone else into your equation. You know, and how you have to, it's, it's different for all of us, you know, I mean, each of us have experienced something different, but it sounds like this particular question, you may need to focus on what's going on with your particular situation. So. If you invite someone in it, it can be welcoming and comfortable for yourself and your children as well. So she said the timeline from breakup to healing to trusting again. Oh, <laughs> I didn't understand that. For me, it took me about three, three or four years, you know, of intentional time, you know, but it was about three or four years. Yeah, I, I wanted to just if, you know, one of the things I, I say about this and Salima and Ziada, you can segue in, but I also think that sometimes, especially us as women, because I don't think men do it as much with timelines, but I think we also put a lot of extra burdens on ourselves unnecessarily. And when we talk about timelines, if it takes somebody three years, okay, it takes somebody 10 years, everybody's different and has their own unique experience. So I, I think even throwing out the idea of timeline, and like you said, do that self-work, getting to a point mm -hmm. where you can let your guard down, getting to the point where you're comfortable with vulnerability, where you feel safe, um, where you're not operating from a place of fear. I think um, what time there is for that is really on your journey. And um, I, I think as women, we need to relinquish that because we're burdened and we're even, I think, oppressed by timelines. Um, we stay mm -hmm. in unhappy places because of timelines. And I think that we need to relinquish some of that brothers be they just go off and live their best life you know what i mean like we don't right. we don't ask them about time so you know that's just my little two cents i don't know if anybody has anything else to add about that really quickly i think that's important an important point 
I think that's a good point. And I think men are actually expected to not have timelines. You know, they're just expected to be able to just move on and they just do it. You know what I mean? And it's unfortunate, but that's the reality I think that we've been facing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one other thing that I will say, and maybe in response to what you just said, Sabria, but also I remember now the question I was supposed to be answering about, what, do you stop uh, if you've tried, if you've dated or or if you've um, courted, been attended, been married, do you stop uh, uh, after a while? I think no. I, I, I think there are no rules <laughs> except for the Ka'ed and the Suda. That's it. Other than that, there are no rules. There, there really just aren't. Um, I, I, I think that uh, it was important to me to get married because I knew that that was a protection and, and that it was most important for me to please my Lord. So I would never be concerned with um, what other folks might be saying. I, I would say travel, uh, network, join all kinds of groups, uh, meet new people. We have to come outside of these same circles. And 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 it, there are, I think, good people out there. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's earth is spacious. Right, beautiful. Any advice for sisters looking to get married again that are working professionals? I think with uh, the, the sister made the point of, um, you know, your network and getting out and traveling and seeing the world and um, just really aligning yourself with those that are like-minded. Um, you find someone um, who, like for me, um, the, the brother I'm speaking to, he's an entrepreneur as well. And um, so it, it lends a space where we both can build from one another and he respects and honors uh, me as an entrepreneur and really gives me great tips and things of that nature. I just think at, at a certain point, like um, the sister said that certain rules don't always have to apply to everyone, right? It really, it really, it depends upon what you're looking for and where you have, where you are in your life. If you have arrived in your life where you are sure of who you are and where you are going, that person will appear in your life because you are manifesting that in your actions on a daily basis. And oftentimes when we find the mates, it's because of where we are in our lives. You know, I know I can speak from past experience and my marriages, that mate was where I was in my life or how I even envisioned my life at that time or what I felt that I needed. And some of that came from just a basic need of like, I'm tired. I just want someone to believe this from me and not really owning my whole self right and so i think as a professional woman it's just important that you you show up and and i think what the sister said sometimes like with non-muslim men they affirm us they affirm who we are like where we are in life and you know you, we, you when you are in these social circles like that that we have where um, especially before COVID, when you are going to these conferences and you're speaking on these different panels and you're getting all these different praises, like, you know, wow, you, you spoke, you do, you're doing this, you're doing that. And you go into your community and you don't receive that same kind of praise. Um, and it's not that you're seeking it, but it's almost like a double edged sword. But I just think as a professional woman, just show up as who you are. And, you know, if you are looking for that, then may Allah, you know, reward you with the mate that you're looking for, but never dumb yourself down. Do not dim the light because it does you no serve. This, it does a, 
a disservice to you as a human being to dim your life for someone else to seek or seem as though that they are the correct partner for you. Amen. Amen. Salima, did you want to add to that? Because I know you navigate so many professional political spaces, child. I know you said your husband had no idea what you did. No, that, not, not the secret child. I mean, is that the? And I, and I know. He just, he just didn't. We just had to talk to him about that first. You, did you say was it a secret? No, I said, is that the secret that they just don't know what you do? Like, you know oh, what I mean? <laughs> for me, I thought because if I was so off guard because I didn't even know he was paying attention to me like like that. It, you know, normally I'm like if I if I know some I'm. Going to be around somebody that's checking for me. I'm gonna wear the right thing. I'm gonna say the right thing, and I, you know, it, I was yeah. off guard and I didn't like it, but <laughs> but it works out, mashallah. I wanted to say something else that, as you were speaking, to follow up what you were saying, and it was a little different, but it made me think about something that is a really good point for the sisters who are professional women, especially if you're doing things in the community, sisters. Don't let people use you. Don't let people come to you asking you. Call. I, I, that's another way um, a lot of brothers would try to come at me. They would call my phone and say, oh, sister, I want you to work on this with me. And I heard great stuff about you. And they say, you know, they texted me and calling me all times, you know, emails too. So I'm telling you. <laughs> Over here, so don't let that happen. If you have a business, tell them to email you and you to office hours, consultant fees, charge people. Don't let these brothers use you, make you think that because that's another way they try to marry you too. When they really want you to, to be they they business assistant to do all they work for them. Don't fall for that either. I'm just just wanted to share. <laughs> Protect your energy. I mean, the importance is that what you're saying is that protect your energy also and protect your space, right? And that with the value that you bring, remember that you bring a lot of value and someone should value what you bring to the table. Can I just say, I'm just over here like, oh, child, don't even open up a can of worms. You know, honestly, just to be transparent, there's several, I've gotten several inboxes and brothers are like, I got this great idea for a podcast. But call me. And I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I'm not, you know, that's one rule I had to make. I'm not, I'm not making, I'm not calling. I'm not, mm -hmm. we're not doing any phone calls. And See, I think also as mothers, you know, as mothers of children where brothers will sneak their way in. So interested in help taking your son to play soccer. Or they want to, you know, be that brother that's, you know, since his father's not around, but he's really trying to get to you. So you got to mm -hmm. I've told them like my son would play football and I would say my son has a father. I really want you to understand he has a father, you know, because they're like, oh, he plays football. Oh, you get his haircut. You know, they, they thought, oh, that's a good way. in. she's a single mom. He's he's active in sports. And I'm like, thank you. But he's OK. And so am I like I don't need that. You know that that like you said, that segue in. If you're not sincere, there's no need for you to engage with a woman with a woman if you're not sincere, you know, just leave her be, leave her be. Mm. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Alita said, and I was never enough, SubhanAllah. My last, last marriage was just that, and I was never enough. How many of us mm. navigated that space of feeling like, you know, we weren't enough? And that's another reason why the guard is up, you know? It's like, we're not, we not trying to go down that road again, at all. At oh, all. Selena, so sure. you know, um, I was told you have an adult daughter, right? Yes, I have my daughter, Layla. She's 23. 
What has been the process for you in um, your growth process and modeling things? Have you felt that there was anything you got accustomed to with this whole vulnerability process that you felt that you wanted her to to avoid in the way that you had to experience it? Absolutely. Um, And my daughter got married. It's so funny how history repeats itself. I got married um, at 17. My daughter got married at 20 and um, had a son and my my grandson, Asad. And, you know, uh, I've always tried to teach my daughter just, just some of, just to not kind of deal with some of the things. Like I, as I know she has to grow and experience things, I always try to teach her not to spend too much time dealing with things that she shouldn't deal with because that's what I did, you know. you know that that that's what I did, and and so um, it, because what I I didn't talk about her father much more, but my first marriage we tried we kept trying to make it work. We would break up and get t- together again, and this went on for for years, um, and 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 it was too long. And so I always just try to teach my daughter that life is too short. Do your absolute best. My daughter is very close to me. She's my uh, COO. She's the chief operating officer and senior associate of my firm. And um, yeah, we're, we're, we're very, very close. It's almost like we were raised together <laughs> because I had her so young. But yeah, I do try to teach her some of the things that, that I wish someone told me when I was a young uh, wife and mother. I can I just, I just thought about this, Salima. We, that makes us related because we share blood with that beautiful grandbaby. Exactly. My right. grandson right. is your cousin. <laughs> Absolutely. I just, I just thought of that. Yeah, the father is my um yeah, my nephew, my cousin, my cousin. Yeah. <laughs> my <laughs> okay. Um all right, you guys. I wanted to just ask um focus again. I mean, we talked a lot about all the things that are happening, but and I know you talked a little bit about your husband, but how has your new relationship with your husband restored your faith and love? You know what? My, my, my relationship with my husband hasn't necessarily um, restored my faith in love per se, like as you would think of a love between a man and a woman. My uh, relationship with my husband has restored my faith in a lost son with all of them. Mm-hmm. straight like that and so that's what the love is the love is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because it, there were for so many years that I felt like I needed a love from people and from things that really I was overlooking love from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and how profound that was indeed for me in my life and, and when I recognized that I think is when um, I was restored. <laughs> you know, my husband is just a bonus. <laughs> he, he did, you know, but but uh, restoration of um my faith in 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 the will of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala and trust in God. He is a manifestation of God's mercy for me, and and that's what that means to me. Beautiful, Yasmin. I'm gonna segue you in. Um, that. Wow, that's really beautiful. And that's the whole point, right? That's the whole point. Right. We hope that we we pray that we have spouses that allow us to to see 
see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to, to be in a state of gratitude and to be closer to him. So that's absolutely beautiful. Um, yes, me. So I want to leave us with some practical tips. Um, what are some ways you believe women can begin to pick up the pieces, broaden their horizons and learn to love fully and completely again? Because it seems like you're doing that right now. What are some ways that you would, you would um, suggest that women can do that? I, I think that, again, for me, recentering and, and focusing on what my real purpose was here on this earth, earth, which is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Recognizing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to remove anything from me that I'm supposed to have and that he is going to give me everything that I'm supposed to have and, and that he's perfect indeed. And, you know, my spirituality, I think, is is really what has helped me heal from so many traumas in life. And I think that if you don't have that in place, it will be problematic for you to have healthy relationships, period. Um, and so I think that's what we have to get back to is, 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 is you know, our purpose, worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for everything we want and need, begging him for it, and being accepting of, of what his will is. Yeah. And how do we, and, and I appreciate that, I wanted to add to that, but how do we, you know, some of us, we navigate this space and we don't have awareness around some, like I said, some of those traumas and some of those wounds. And even just of how to clean it up. And I know I'm, I love that you mentioned spiritually um, that we have to navigate through that because that's the purification process, right? With yourself. Um, but as women, a lot of times, <clears throat> not all of us, but some of us, I think, due to our heartbreak, sometimes it's hard for us, especially if we've been done wrong, to take a look inside. Because sometimes we're harped on the toxic relationships, the toxic partner, the this, the that. And we don't take that time to do inventory. And then we build walls and barriers around our heart. And we operate from a place of fear because we haven't done self-work. And I'm just going to segue and I'm going to go do a little round table talk with all three of you guys. But really quickly, Ziada, um, I wanted to just ask you the gut-wrenching proof of how do you get to the point where you are brutally honest with where you are so that you could navigate out of that space of fear and allow yourself to be vulnerable? I think uh, like you spoke about um, just really had to become honest with myself about um, how I even ended up in the relationships that I were in. And like I said about how being in, it manifested itself with what, I I wasn't fully loving myself and I wasn't, I didn't trust myself. And I remember my therapist even told me, she said, you don't trust yourself. And the moment you begin to trust yourself, you will begin to make the correct judgments um, in your career as well as in um, finding a mate because you will know that you've made the correct choices in choosing the correct person in your life. And so I had to really take a look at myself and to, you know, really believe that I trust myself. And like she spoke about, you know, really believing and knowing that, you know, through, through Allah's guidance and the goals that I've set for myself that I've actually accomplished, that Allah has never forsaken me. Even in those moments 
that in those relationships where it's like, how did this even happen? Because it was the last mercy, despite everything that happened in it, I was able to see myself and grow and just to let go of, you know, um, the walls because it's like, how is this serving me? You know, because I really do want to be loved and I really wanted a true partnership. So I had to let go of the guard that I had because it was no longer serving me. You know, it's like, okay, it's great for in certain arenas so that you can get to a certain level of success, but it's, it's important to be vulnerable, especially as a woman and a mother, I needed to allow myself to be vulnerable, to be a better human being and to show up in this world more authentically. So I had to let it go because and I wanted to, it, it becomes exhausting also to hold on to those, right. To hold on to all of that. It's exhausting. And I was tired and I didn't want to hold it anymore. I wanted to let go of that burden. Beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Me. For me, it was about changing my perspective, you know, and, and understanding that vulnerability is a strength. It doesn't have to be a weakness all the time. So that was a big thing. And then also checking in and making sure I really knew what I wanted. You know, a lot of times in Muslim communities and large families or whatever you come from, we've been fed a lot of information about what we're supposed to want and what that looks like, you know, and what you're supposed to do as a Muslim woman. And I really had never asked myself a lot of those questions for myself. Like, what does Yasmin actually really want? What do I really like? You know, as opposed to waiting for someone to tell me those things and being disappointed with their answers, because I hadn't answered that for myself, you know? So that was really big for me. And then also being comfortable with no from people, you know, and not taking those no's to be things that defined me, you know, because sometimes when someone would tell me no, I would be like, why? What does that have to do with me? And why Why am I such a disappointment? As opposed to that's no for them, but it could be for someone else, you know? And kept it moving. That was my process. Just yeah. change your perspective. You have to change your perspective in order to see different things. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing. Um, and and Salim, I know you spoke just a, a minute ago about just attaching yourself to Allah. Um, but were there things within you that you felt like were barriers to your, towards um, towards your towards your vulnerability? Excuse me. Being vulnerable, showing up vulnerable. Yeah. Then you said, were there things that I felt were barriers? Yes. And again, for me, it was things that that I even as a adult battled from my upbringing and just things that I never really um, dealt with, with within my own self. And so um, honestly, really as making decisions for myself and cho making, choosing happiness as a decision, you know, um, and establishing those necessary boundaries and, and just feeling confident in my own decisions and that 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 I trusted my own self and my own judgment to to just kind of move on in a way that that was very vulnerable. Um and and trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah. And Salim, I have a particular question for you. Um, was it easier to let your guard down with a man that was raised different from the men you were used to? Yes. Okay. Let's talk. Yeah. Right. Yes. Because my, my, 
my husband was born and raised in a Muslim country. Senegal is a 96% Muslim country. He he was raised with the mentality that it takes a village. Like that freaking proverb is really, really true. I see it with my own two eyes when I go to the village where his mother and, and family lives. And so he was raised a certain way by his father and he has a certain discipline that I've never that is un that is unlike anything I've seen before, and so he's he's he he has a certain level of respect that I know comes from his upbringing, and I don't think it's necessarily because he is Senegalese, but because of the family, yeah, dynamic and and how strong that was for him. Um, it made him a better person, which was different than the men I was used to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. A lot. I, I, and I don't, I wanted to just, because I had this conversation with the couple sisters, we did a podcast previous on intercultural marriages, and there was some levels of truth that they were speaking in regards to um, trying to build sustainable marriages with um, men, um, with African-American men, I'm trying to find a better word there, with African-American <laughs> men. And um, that they were navigating things such as perceptions and expectations, especially like body image and, you know, with Instagram culture and all of that and just not being able to find themselves in spaces where there was contentment. Um, this is what, you know, some, some people experience, not everybody. I wanted to know if that was, did that contribute to your decision at all? So to marry uh, intercultural, yeah. Yeah. Not really. I, I, I just, um, he, he, my husband is different in that one of the things I recognize as it relates to kind of like body image and, you know, what some black American men expect my husband, he, he just, he, he's not like that. He doesn't follow women on Instagram, but it was something I reckon I, when I first, when he first, um, expressed interest in me. I looked on his Instagram to see who he was following and what his like social media activity was and stuff like that. And I was like, oh my God, most of these women are his family members or people from, you know, his work and things like that. So he I don't I don't think it's the same. I don't think that I don't find his friends like overly sexualizing women and, you know, stuff like that. It, it it's it's different. Mm, and and um, honestly my my, I was just going to say one quick point. My mm -hmm. husband loves that I wear hijab, but many women in Senegal don't wear hijab, <laughs> you know, um, and it, it, although it's a very religious country. And so that those are kind of differences that 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 exist. Audience question. Do you suggest that we as foundational black American women cast a wider net and look internationally for a mate? Yeah, they just said. Um, I mean, I, I think it's an option. I don't think that women, period. I don't. I think like you spoke about, like our timeline and things of that nature. I think we just have to stop putting constraints on what we want, you know. And like this is this quote that Allah uh, speaks that the earth is spacious. So with the earth being spacious, there are many different options for us, in that we should choose from them. I think. Also, what's important when she spoke about the family structure, um, 
making sure that you know you see that if a person comes from a family where it's not a lot of trauma for me i know for me that have that was very important for me this time you know just seeing someone who diligently works in themselves and is more introspective and really wanting to be a better human being um you can see the qualities and how they will treat you and how they show up in your life so i don't think as women we just have to stop putting so many barriers on ourselves of what we should do or which do you think we should do this do what you feel is good for your spirit and what you feel as though the, the path in which you want to go and how you want that person to show up in your life how are you showing up for yourself and if you show up for yourself authentically loving yourself trusting who you are and the decisions that you make you will attract that also i just think we have to stop thinking that we have limits on where, where we should find our mate where we should go it, the earth is spacious don't do that men don't do that either so it's important just to empower yourself as a woman and to know that you have the power to choose what you deserve and allow you manifest that in your life and don't be afraid of it absolutely amen yeah. i mean all right well we are coming um to an end of this discussion i think it was really robust i think it helped a lot of women and i think um i saw some of the comments i just want to make a quick comment about it i did say see some of the comments and I saw the pattern and where it was going and it, it does often go that way when we have these sort of discussions, which is okay. But I, I, I just want to encourage us. And I think when we talk about um, bringing our walls down and being open, I think we need to not be so hyper-focused on things like red flags, who's toxic and who's not. I think as mean, you spoke powerfully about the narratives that we create. Those are the experiences that are going to show up in your life. So if you're hyper focused on, you know, all the no's and all the red flags, that is exactly what you're going to experience. And I just really quickly, I think that's super important for women. Yes, me, can you just help me out with this point really quickly? Because I know you speak about it all the time. I mean, you have to think about affirmations. You know, you, you say something so many times, you know, you start to create it. You affirm that thing. So if you're affirming that toxic things are what you're looking for or trying to avoid, then they will begin to show up consistently. So it's, it's just like Salima said a few minutes ago, you have to expect happiness. Know that you deserve happiness and Allah can give you that. If, if you don't expect it, then you can't expect it. <laughs> you know what I mean? We have to believe we deserve it and we have to start really actually thinking about what does it look like for me to receive happiness with no toxic behavior, with no red flags and start thinking about what are the green flags what do those look like? You know what I mean? And start making those lists so that you can actually understand what are green flags? What are the things that happen when you are attracting a mate or living your best life or whatever that looks like? Let go of all of the red flags and just try to create green only. Absolutely. Ladies, any, any culminating points, Salima? No, I just want to thank you ladies so much. It's been so enlightening being with you all. I was a little tired before I started and now I'm wide awake. I, I'm so uh, invigorated by this conversation and thank you so much, Sister Sabria, for what you're doing with this platform. Mashallah, it's really, really um, uplifting the sisters in ways that is so necessary. So may Allah suffice you. Amen. And just so you guys know, um, Salima, because she is, mashallah, um, restoring love at the moment, um, she, it's 1 a.m. So we, well, it's not, right? What is it, 2 a.m.? It's 2 a.m. It's 2 a.m. So now. We need to get Salima to bed um, in just a second, but I do want to just give some 
honor and respect. And I first want to just, I'm just going to start with my co-host, um, Ziada and Yasmin. There was no one else that I could really think of for this topic because we have so many robust conversations about this. And you guys are beacons of light and examples of how to just get back up and do it again. Um, so I wanted to just give space. Just thank you for being helping me. Um, thank you for being my shining example, Ziada and Yasmin. MashaAllah, thank you. I'm always honored to be here. And uh, Sister Salima, thank you for being with us at 2 a.m. I would not have known it was that late. I'm honored to be with you. So I really am. I'm honored to be with you all. MashaAllah. Thank you. I want to say yes. thank you as well. It's important for sisters to get together and have healthy conversations. You know, yeah. a lot of times when women get together Absolutely. and speaking about men or, or speaking about anything, it usually is, is topics that are gossip, you know, or something that leads to something negative we have to get used to speaking to each other again just on a regular basis like we're doing now about you know healthy topics and healthy things that we're trying to work towards Make that a normal thing which is sisters you know brothers if you have them but yeah. it's important that we do what we're doing thank you so much and i wanted to just thank you again salima um, I appreciate you so much for being here. I appreciate you for sharing, being vulnerable, being a model, being an example. I watch your, I look at your pictures and I'm just like, subhanAllah, like I could just see the vibrance yeah. on your face and may Allah increase you. May Allah increase Amen. you. Amen. 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 to the audience. Um, they all saying how much they appreciate it. Thank you guys for being involved and asking questions. We appreciate it that you continue this dialogue and remember speak what you want speak about what you want not what you don't want speak about what's good in your life so you can manifest that mashallah we don't want to end this podcast yes me without saying a quote happy birthday to you happy birthday to you happy birthday Yes, you made me do it, Ziada. thank you so much i feel so loved i've been surrounded by nothing but love before here, I was on a, a Zoom with my family, and I know that I'm loved, and um, a lot of loves me, and I'm protected, and um, I'm just grateful. May Allah bless you always. All right, you guys, we hope to see you back on the Dope Muslim Woman podcast. Um, we are coming back. Ooh, our special edition next week, um, Spiritual Sexuality, y'all. Um, and so we are coming on with um, the Halal Sexpert. That's the name. The Halal Sexpert is coming to the show. Um, so inshallah, we'll be, I'll be, you'll be seeing that flyer very soon, but it is next week. We'll continue to stay in tune with the Dope Muslim Women Podcast. We love you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum wa